May be seated, everybody. Thank you very much. A lot of people here today, all still uh, celebrating. The general state of things in South Africa just seems better <laughs> since last week. It just seems better. I don't know much about sport. Are we in the semis or the quarters? Semis, help me. Semis. I'm waiting for all of this to land perfectly. I have a photo that's about eight years old with Sia Colisio uh, uh, and Faf Duplessis uh, standing. Uh, I'm standing with both of them. You have to zoom down to see me. But they were in a church service here together one Christmas. I forget which year. And I'll wait and post it on, uh, on, on a, a day. Um, speaking of, of those kinds of things... Um, uh, welcome online church. There are people from all over the world, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, um, uh, Somalia, uh, Canada, it must be up very late, um, and a group of people who've been watching for months now together uh, in Kenya, and the man who's coordinating that's name is Kennedy. So Kennedy from Kenya, it makes it quite easy. Um, and so could you welcome everybody watching online? I also want to acknowledge uh, our Kingfisher FM uh, community or family who listen on radio in Mandela Bay. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Uh, Kingfisher celebrates 28 years of existence. Uh, and I know Vince has been part of that broadcasting over this last week. So congratulations of 20, on 28 um, years. Uh, and then also want to acknowledge that uh, for this message, we're also preaching into Jeffrey's Bay. So a big shout out to Father's House, Jeffrey's Bay, Lloyd and the team in Jeffrey's Bay. Um, I wanted to say if you're in the, in, in the room here, uh, we're not far from Christmas, can you believe it? I mean, you know that because we've been shopping. And in the shops, everything now has a Christmas hat. Um, but uh, I want to encourage you, if you want to still take a family or friend's photo against the South African flag wall, to do that in the next week or two, because it will be transformed towards our Christmas plan pretty soon. And I thought I'd let you know, because there's a public holiday on the 15th of December, and it's a thing, and we might plan a thing on that day, we're still thinking about it, but I think we should do a thing, I don't know what the thing is, but it should be a cool thing, and the thing should include food, I don't know, I'm trying to work it out, something should happen, but I want to invite you to contemplate that, and then um, 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 Mike, or Vince, I can't remember now, who did what? That's a bad, I need to write things down. I want to thank everybody for Love Your City and your eagerness to come out and support and bring plants and bring spades and bring chainsaws and grinders and things. <laughs> Vince is quite a machine with a grinder. At some point, I thought he was going to take down street lamps that are still working. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, thankfully, he did not do that, uh, Vince. Uh, but I also want to thank uh, one or two businesses who got involved, um, Bloomingdale's, uh, uh, especially for dropping off, I don't know, 50 or 60 plants and some soil and stuff, so we can help beautify the area. Just a round of applause once again for everybody. Thank you, you guys. So we're doing this a little different over the month of November, morning and evening, Different messages, 
in some cases, different two-story interviews. I'm starting out today our two-story series uh, on a topic I've titled, God First. I'm going to use the same interview for a message this morning as I will use tonight, but with a different message. The young man who shares his God journey and encounter cuts my hair and helps me choose my clothing. Because he does the first so well, he felt it was necessary to raise the standard on the second. <laughs> Jess Gallant is a young man I've known for five or six years. Uh, he has a son. You will hear a little about that. He used to come to my home and cut my hair there uh, and now owns his own barbershop. Uh, when I was in Cyprus, I wanted to choose some new shoes, and it's always a good idea to check with cool people what you're buying. I sent him photos and said, should I buy this one or that one? And he said no to all of them, and then sent photos of what I should buy. My mom was with me on that occasion, and she wondered who I was texting. I said, a friend, to ask for an opinion, and she put a big smile on her face, as though the friend was a potential female suitor. <laughs> She was like, oh, this is a good sign, George. Let me see. So I showed her his face. And she said, oh, <laughs> if I saw that man somewhere, I would be scared. <laughs> I wanted to give you that, um, uh, he the heads up, because Jess likes tattoos. And you will see them. There's no way of dressing as a Christian that will hide the tattoos. So... As a Muslim, maybe, but as a Christian, no. What a remarkable interview. I will show you seven minutes of it, and I will potentially post the rest of it on social media. We need to start here first, and then have a conversation about it afterwards. Have a look. I never knew that he would take me places that I, I didn't even imagine myself in. I was thinking, when you think, when you think Dubai, you obviously think holiday, but you would never think that your actual job would take you to Dubai. It's, it's been, it's been a major, big role in my life and for others, because I always want to create a safe space. You know, it's easy to go to Woolworths and not feel like you're a part of the woods. But you, when you come to stay faded, you feel like you're a part of it. You're a part of this whole family. Um, we just switch up the music when you come there. Not the best background, but I appreciate going through all of that because I would not be in the person I am today. A couple of mistakes along the way? No, definitely a couple of mistakes. Um, whole different friend groups, experiencing different kinds of, you know, what young kids do um, mm. out of high school, clubbing, um, mm. doing all, all sorts of wrong things. I'm gonna yeah. say it's wrong, but um, during, but definitely during that, I knew that while I was changing friend groups, I always knew that I'm not supposed to be there because um, I knew what was right and wrong. Yeah. Um, and coming from a single mom, having us go to church every Sunday, um, as Catholics, we were not meant to miss out on a Sunday or Sunday school. I didn't know you were Catholic. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. 
It was hectic. I think it was, it was the only thing that kept myself, my sister and my mom very tight. Um, knowing that respect there of do what you wanna, but make sure you are there at church on a Sunday, okay. you know? Um, and I feel like that is the best thing my mom's ever done for me, was introduce me to God. Um, because even my life after high school, um, I, I went my own path. I would say my own path because um, I, I started going less to church because I felt like in a Catholic church, things are like, it's, it's very routine. Yeah. So like, you, you, you young, you're not getting the word, you're not feeling the, you're not feeling the warmth. And especially when I started tattooing myself, like I would sit and literally, you know when you can feel someone staring at you? <laughs> because then you're greeting this person, but another three people are looking at you from this side. So I definitely started feeling uncomfortable. And I told my mom, because um, back when I was a dancer, I was addressed outside of church, right after church. And I was asked like, why are you so? Why are you guys dressed like this? So then I went like okay. with three friends. Three friends slept over that weekend, and all I told them, guys, we can chill, we we can do whatever. But if you're gonna sleep over at my place, do know that Sunday's off the church, and let's just go to make my mom happy. If you don't go to church, you will get it. This isn't gonna work. Yeah, um, yeah. But like we were all like addressed after church, told us you are not allowed to come to church looking like this. And obviously, you know, it's the skinny jeans, the long sweaters, or, you know, just being us. Um, but yeah, and it was very sad. Um, my mom really felt it because like she was walking with us. It's like, ah, oh, we did what we And she was happy to have you guys. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, yeah, she's, she's always like bright smile if you're going to church. Hair, the hair industry has been taking me different places and I've been blessed way too many times. I would say way too many times because I took advantage of a lot of times of that. Yeah. Um, and every time I would go away with hair or win competitions, like I would feel great about myself, but there was this, um, I felt empty. Even yeah. like after being announced, being on TV, I always felt like this emptiness in myself. Um, and I literally, I tried balancing my life out like party, work, church, but like, Sunday. yeah, they, you know, and Sundays, yeah, but like, I had to keep telling myself, like, I can't, like, I can't balance my life out like that. Um, God, like, God should be first, you know, and as soon as I started making God first, things fell away by itself. I didn't need to force myself to be like, okay, one day you are stopping, let's stop this, you know. I, it gradually fell away by itself. Um, from friends to people just talking bad about me. And when I found out that I've got a kiddo on the way, um, that is when I realized like, I don't want him coming into this earth knowing that he's got only 10% of me. Yeah. You know? And I can't give my son 10% and God 10% and the rest of the 80%. It's me trying to figure out what I want to do for myself. Good. You know, um, it hasn't been an easy road. Still not an easy road. Um, and I'm pushing. So much, there's so much good things that happened to me after I started putting God first. I would say he's blessed me with a lot.
Um, he's blessed me with a lot, but like I feel like he wanted to show me more. Yeah. But he wouldn't give it to me yet till I give myself fully to him. Yeah. So I was going through this really bad time. Um, after my kid was born, like I was going through this really dark moment. Um, I was losing a lot. Um, I was losing a lot. Fa I would say family, friends, fiance, um, and I just started losing, but at a rapid pace. And Kirsten, Kirsten was just a normal client to me. And he, he was the one, like, I visited Father's House several times before. Um, but like, like I said, I was trying to balance my life out. But like, he just invited me. And with that invite, I feel like my life changed like this. Yeah. And I started joining men's group. Um, and also changed my life a lot because um, I can't only do, a Sunday's not never enough. Yeah. Let me rather say that. Sunday's never enough. You need that pickup during the weekend. For me, that pickup was men's girl group Thursday. The guys are always forcing me to pray. I'm shy, man. Um, it's always because I never knew, I never know what to say, but like now things are like becoming so easy because this is what I'm choosing. So words flow when you are praying because it comes from the heart. Um, I confidently post on a Sunday showing others that this is where it's at. This is where I start my week. My week starts on a Sunday because this is what the, I said. This is my pace I set out for the, for the rest of the week. Uh, I give me a moment. Uh, honestly, the best one year I ever spent. Two little plastic hands that hold a phone. I think that uh, testimony carries so much authenticity in it. To be able to strip away what I think I'd like to lean into today, which is the temptation to take our faith or the faith and make it more and more complicated over time and forget that at its fundamental is this principle that God above all else changes everything else. That's the fundamental principle. And I think Jess is somewhere here. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Jess, where are you? Why don't you stand up? When you, in fact, you can come. You dress so well. I'd like you to come stand next to me. I'd like you to come. Uh, in fact... I'm embarrassed that my own dress... Co there we go. Thank you, Jess. When he sees me in public, he has the tendency of fixing the hair. I'm glad he didn't... like, what's wrong with this? I'm glad he didn't do it. Thank you for being willing to share. He's also he's in Cameron's men's group. Um, used to meet used to meet in my home. That was recorded at my home, but they used to meet in my home now. They're meeting uh, all over, I think. I'm, I'm not sure, at uh, various places. Um, and um, I, I want to take a couple of uh, pointers from this testimony uh, to provoke you in your faith. Uh, to provoke uh, a maturing in our faith, in our walk with God. I, I know that if you follow Jess on social media, uh, you, you're gonna, your eyes are going to be pretty wide open. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, uh, his music is wild. 
uh, taste in music. Is that okay to say? I just want uh, I, I want people to know that. Um, I don't know. Did did you say in the video? Did we keep it that um, he has this barbershop and the music's really cool, and then they change it when I come in? <laughs> did he say that? And I know that because when he went away to Dubai to Qatar, he they didn't change it. And when I walked in there, I was like, where am I? It's like. I was expecting someone to come take my order. But, um, um, but uh, they change it up. And then I have a feeling, because I go on a Friday, I have a feeling Friday, 2 o'clock, when the Dumini leaves. <laughs> the party is back on. And, but um, I, 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 thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, I want to go there. And then I'm going to tie back to a couple of ideas that just shared. And I'm going to sh- show the same video tonight, but I'm to talk about the value of building uh, the, the type of people you should have in your life. We often talk about the types of people you shouldn't have in your life. I want to talk to you about five kinds of people you should have in your life. I want to talk about that tonight. Matthew 14 starts out hectic, but it gets better, okay? It starts out hectic. John's disciples came and took John's body and buried it. So we start out, John didn't make it in the story. He actually gets beheaded in the verse before, but I thought that is traumatizing uh, to say in this, in this moment. But they take his body and buried. Then they went and they told Jesus. When Jesus heard what was happening, or what had happened rather, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. I want you to know that context because Jesus's cousin and friend and co-believer John has had has met his final day. Uh, King Herod has uh, lost a bet with uh, 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 this woman he was having an affair with. It was just having, you know, don't have affairs. Somebody loses their head at some point. So, <laughs> was that too much? It's just some free advice there. Just don't, somebody dies. And, and so, and John, uh, John's disciples come and tell Jesus, listen, your cousin's dead, and this is what's happened. This woman wanted his head, and uh, Herod complied. And, and, jo- and Jesus is moving away to, to probably pray, probably just be by himself. He's on a solitary, in a, wanting to go to a solitary place. But one of the biggest miracles of the Bible takes place after this, in this moment, actually, with those emotions in John's heart. The frustration and the disappointment and the leave me alone, humanity's depravity, fully in Jesus' heart, he wants to be left alone. And here's what happens. On hearing this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go uh, to the villages and buy themselves some food. Uh, Time doesn't allow me to share the rest of the scripture. But if you know the rest of the scripture, or you've heard a bit about this miracle or parable, actually a miracle, you'll know that he feeds the 5,000 in the verses that follow this. And there is a connection. By the way, all four Gospels tell the story and all four Gospels tell us that John dies first. And there's something about the connection between going through stuff and then 
finding your feet and then putting your hope fully in God that I want to talk to you about. And I, I think that there is a value that faith is faith not just when it's easy, but faith is proven when it's tough. When there's a fight that you've got to navigate, some emotion you've got to overcome, some leave me alone attitude. And today I want to talk to you about how important it is to avoid going into hiding when things get shaky. It's it's the human condition so much so that Jesus felt it. He was, leave me alone. Let me go to a solitary place. He gets on a boat, by the way, and he, he goes somewhere. So he thinks no one's following him. But the people followed him on land a much longer distance and got to him. And Jesus was moved with compassion. And this great miracle of God is my provider in the face of John's death. My response will be, I will trust God all the more. I will go bolder, more public. We'll do this long will touch the whole world. We will not shrink back or hide. And in, <laughs> and in keeping with last week's message of introduction on this topic, let's get loud, that there is this uh, push against your voice to silence your voice, to silence your confidence, your belief in God. There's a push against it in society at the moment. There's a push against it in emotions, in conflicts, in all kinds of reasons. But let me encourage you today that a lesson to learn is put your hand back in God's hand. Pick yourself up and say, Lord, I will follow and obey and I will leave consequences in your hands. Can you say amen to that? And I guess it's easy to always think of Jesus as having been um, uh, been the Son of Man and the Son of God, that things came easily to Him. It would have been an easy journey because He is, he is God made manifest. And yet He also chooses to be man made manifest. And in the moment of that uh, disappointment and hurt, uh, still, God was not to be blamed. God was to be trusted in this situation. And how many of us might have said, why God? John, who did a good thing for you, taken out in this moment, why? And instead, Jesus' response was, I was talking to a couple of hundred, but they did that to us. Let's make it a few thousand. And when they took him and nailed him to a cross, God said, they did that to us. Let's take it to the whole world. Go into all the world and preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let conflict cause expansion in your life. Can you say amen to that? There's a, there's a value in that. A couple of ideas that I want to remind you of in keeping God first and making your, the, your spiritual journey simple. And the first idea is what you know. I was really struck by that part of Jess's conversation. Um, you, you, you know something's not right. You know something's empty. Or you know you shouldn't be with these, these crews. You know you shouldn't be in these environments. And yet, um, despite what we know, you know, you realise what you know isn't enough to make you change what you do. Isn't that a remarkable thing? What you know isn't enough, but it is where you start. You start by saying, I know something is missing, or I know something is out of sync, disconnected with the Lord. Oh, I, I guess they turned the air cons off because they, they're loud. I'm feeling it right now. Or is it just like the Holy Spirit coming upon? Is it the Holy Spirit moving? 
I just wanted to tell you that they've still got to adjust fan speed stuff, so it's pretty loud. That's why they did it. So just so you know, just so you know, it's not just the fire. This, it's, but it's a, it's a, I don't know. I don't know why I said that. That's so Pentecostal. But, but here's where I want to confront something in our hearts. How long will you know and not do? There's, there's some, you know, I shared this um, old saying uh, in a conversation with some friends and someone was like, oh, I want to write that down. I think that's good. And I didn't come up with it. I just can't remember who said it first. So I'm pretending I said it first. <laughs> but somebody definitely said it first. And that is the a cliche statement, seize the opportunity of a lifetime during the lifetime of the opportunity. When you know something is wrong or out of place or empty, take action because the day will come that you will wake up and you will no longer feel the emptiness. You will go hard in your heart or numb in your soul. And a lot of people are living life not happy, just numb. You don't feel the void anymore. You've managed to clutter it with other conversations, other distractions, other addictions, and you don't feel it anymore. But one day when we stand before the Lord, all the distractions and all the clutter will be removed. And there again, the hollowness of the heart will be laid bare. And maybe the reason why you're in church today is for God's light to shine brightly enough to wash away every distraction so you can know something and then do something. Do something if you know something. Can you say amen? Now, you may be in a relationship that needs adjusting. If you're married, then it just needs adjusting. If you're in a relationship that isn't right, it might need concluding. Just keep it moving, keep it moving. I can give you some catchphrases. You can say to the person that God has somebody better than me in mind for you. I, I, I am, I am on a journey with the Lord and I am not yet the man enough you should date, deserve, or need. Excuse me while I climb a little further with Jesus. But let me tell you, if you know and don't do, hardening of the heart happens. And a kind of numbness takes place. And, and the uh, psalmist David reiterated that idea when he had done wrong and committed adultery. And he knew something was missing. He writes the psalm and says, Create in me a new heart or clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. And then one of my most powerful verses of the last year, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. We talked about a lot. Restore unto me. Put back something in me that's been taken. And maybe you're here today or you're listening online. You're in Jeffrey's Bay in the room there and something's been taken from you. Some kind of an emotion, a confidence, a joy, a thing has been taken and you know it. And on what you know, I want to encourage you to do something about it today. Can you say amen? amen. Deuteronomy chapter five uh, uh, 
it details is one of the lists, one of two or three lists of the Ten Commandments. I didn't want to test you. There's no point in testing you on the Ten Commandments. We sort of know them more or less. I was going to say, which one is the first commandment? And a lot of Christians land up using the New Testament one, which is sort of the love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor. But the commandment is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make of yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. It's, it's a powerful start to who we should be. The one is no other gods. The second is no idols. And an idol is the image of something you admire so much you bow to it. That sounds far-fetched, but it really isn't. Um, maybe the image of something you admire could be a, a wealthier version of you. So your pocket bows to that. You spend what you don't have to puff up yourself to people who don't like you so that you can tell yourself at the end of each day that you're better than someone else. That's an idol. It has to be pulled down and cast away so that authenticity can come into our hearts. Genuineness can come into our hearts. Idols can even be something in our past. To idolize somebody we've lost or somebody we wish we were or somebody we wish we had. It could be an image as a picture, a picture of something that isn't biblical, but our heart wants what our heart wants. You know, such an annoying statement there. You know, watch who, say, who, watch who says things because the source is important to the validity of the information. I was devastated the other day when I, dis- devastated is a big word. I was uh, disappointed when I heard the other day that the person who said the most important meal of the day is breakfast. Do you know who said that? Mr. Kellogg. <laughs> so you're making Kellogg's. For breakfast. So you make a saying to sell breakfast. Watch out, some famous sayings are selling you something that's not sound. I like when Jess said, watch out for balance. Whoever said, it's, you know, it's not in the Bible at all, whoever said that you should live a balanced life, that phrase is not in the Bible. Watch out the person who said that. They're selling you something. The Bible does not invite us to live a balanced life. The Bible invites us to live a wholehearted life. To wholeheartedly love the Lord, to wholeheartedly love our family, to wholeheartedly build what God has called us to build and establish a firm foundation, a career, and a calling. Not in a balanced way, but in a wholehearted way. We don't measure things as a percentage and give something to everything. We're 100% in worship when we're worshiping. And we're 100% for our family when we're handling our family. And we're 100% ethically building our business because that's the definition of wholehearted, that in every area it gets all of my heart in the appropriate space. And by the way, you know if you're not wholehearted. You know that something has, has you bound. Secondly, I guess we all need to at some point define what we need. I appreciated Jess' testimony in this regard too. This idea that something might not be good for you. 
And I admire, I'll say it in front of you, Jess, I admire that not feeling the warmth in one style of church or having somebody perhaps say something to you that was uncomfortable didn't result in you saying, all churches like that. It resulted in you saying, somewhere in the house of the Lord, there is a seat for me also. And I think it's immature, if I may be frank, I think it's immature to blame people for our obstacles to God. Because the definition of humanity is weakness. And you are as weak, I am as weak as the person I blame. I have to look past all of that and look to the Lord. In one of my men's groups, I had this, we've been having some remarkably interesting and intense, in some cases, conversations. I like them. They make me think the rest of the week. But one of the realizations I've personally had is this. We should be careful as a church and as Christians that we don't love people the most when they are not Christian and want them to come to church. And then once they've come to church and made a commitment to Christ, we love them less and less over time because we're irritated that they haven't caught up with our revelation about things. We should be wise enough to love people because they need Jesus. And then once they've found Jesus, to love them until Christ is formed in us. You've got to be careful you don't cut yourself off because something uh, disappointed you or somebody stared at you or somebody judged you, frankly. I had to learn a bit from that very lesson, realizing in the end, um, you know, uh, let me word it this way. I'm, I'm giving an eye on the time. I always do, and I don't know, it seems to mean nothing, but I, I, I do feel guilty if we go over 10 past 10. Um, I feel guilt. Um, but one, one day, uh, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, uh, uh, there is a man who isn't one of us 12. And he's preaching in another town about you. He's even casting out demons. Can we go stop him? And Jesus said, let me just say two things. I have sheep in pens you don't know of. And number two, you work out your own journey and leave that one for the Lord. Like, just stay, like, find your lane, stay in your lane, focus in your lane, leave it with God. And I'm grateful that he did that. I'm grateful that he said, well, that wasn't where I felt the warmth, but there's a place somewhere. And it just takes somebody to invite me to the right room, to open the right door, but there's a place somewhere, and God will be ever present and real to me in that moment. Uh, the young man who invited him, um, I was at the barber shop on fr Friday and he was there too, just coincidentally, so got to chat. Kirsten calls himself Cash. <laughs> he's doing, he's a CA, he's a very good connection. <laughs> Please be Cash. It's one of the most valuable things you can be um, to the body of Christ. Now, I hope somebody doesn't just cut that part. I mean, who cares? There are, there are silly people out there. Um, 
Matthew 6 says, For the pagans run after all these other things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all the other things will be given to you as well. Are you a first seeker Christian? And finally, you need to know when to kneel, to bow the knee, bend the knee, and make Jesus Lord of all. There was an old saying, I think popularized by C.S. Lewis, that, said if he is, that says if he is not Lord of all, then he is probably not Lord at all. And I think that there is a, a weight of truth to that. I like even the simplicity of, you can come hang out with me, but just know that on Sundays, it's for church. That's what we do. And to have enough self-confidence to go, if that affects your wanting to hang out, I don't need the affirmation so much that I have to change my identification in order to get your affirmation. Confident enough in myself to say, this is who I am. I hope you hang out with me. It's going to be awesome. It's going to include church on Sunday morning. Can we say amen to that? That's who we are. When Jesus came, Matthew 16, last, last verse, to, to the region of Caesarea Philippi, asked his disciples, um, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? What do you say? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I bring up Simon Peter um, for two reasons. Simon Peter, to me, seemed, seemed to get, he seemed to get saved a few times. Now, that's not possible, but it looked like it. Simon Peter is the same guy that when Jesus borrowed the boat and a lot of fish came out after they got no fish all night, he, he kneels and he says, oh, Lord, get away from me, I'm a sinner. That felt like a salvation moment. But it wasn't, he, wasn't, he was on the road, but it, I don't know. He wasn't there yet. Then Jesus said, did you say that I'm, you're the Messiah, yes, yes. It looked like Peter was, ah, oh, he got it now. And then there was the whole thing around the fire and the rooster. So I think, well, maybe when Jesus came back and they ate fish on the beachfront, maybe that, yeah, the, the, the Peter, here's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm not 100% sure on what day and date Peter got saved. But what I'm sure about is that Peter Gave his life to the Lord. Now, Paul, on the other hand, very clear, rode to Damascus. <laughs> Who are you, Lord? Duh. The, the answer is in the statement. Ah, oh, I'm blind. No, you've been blind. Now you can see that you're blind. Let's drag this guy off to, to, to a house, to, to a house of someone who is the wrong nationality. He, the whole time, all he wants is Jews to be Jews, and now he's there in a non-Jews home. What am I doing here? You're waiting for someone to come lay hands on you to open your eyes. Next morning, three days late, he was blind for three days, death, burial, and resurrection. On the third day, he sees he wants to go preach. Paul, no one's inviting you. Your last Facebook status update said, heading to Judea to kill some Christians. There's no invitations, bud. 
There's not a church, there's not even a small church who's happy to have an old preacher come and no one's inviting you. It took some churches 14 years, they're like, we'll wait and see. Let's see if this thing's real. It needs to be tested a bit. Whether your salvation is like Peter, you've had these moments and you felt a little wobbly, but then moments, or whether it is a Damascus Road experience, you must be sure. And if you get up at the end of the service and I ask you to pray with me and you say to yourself, I did it a year or two ago, but something's lost in translation over time, pray it again. And if this is your first day in church where you're going to pray a prayer like that, this may be your Damascus Road experience. You may uh, stand and pray a prayer in a minute and the eyes of your heart will open and you go, ah, I've been blind, but now I see. But what we should not do is remain in the crowd of Christianity and never cross the line to be followers of Christ. Don't just be in the crowd. Become a follower. Can you say amen to that? Would you please stand with me? Let's pray. Jeffrey's Bay, I assume you're standing too, and everybody online, uh, st- stick around for another minute. Uh, I'd like to pray a prayer. It's, a, it's, it's an important prayer. And I'd, I'd, I'd very much like for you to um, experience it too. Uh, w- would you be okay if I invited you to close your eyes for a moment um, just, just to take this moment privately? I, I, you know when something is missing or something's not right. I want to address that for a moment. And do you know if something's been taken, lost or missing in the center of your heart? I I want to uh, take a moment to pray that prayer. And then you also know if you've been in the crowd. Um, by By that I mean you've been finding out about God. You've been listening about Jesus. You've been intrigued and even interested, even nodded your head in agreement. But now it's personal. Now it's you. And it's you making a step, taking a step, making a decision. So if you're in either of those two categories, like Peter, I thought I got it and then wait. And then, okay, but okay, but today I get it. Or uh, it's personal now. I'd like to pray with you. If you're here in that space, I'm going to invite you to please raise your hand and say, I'm taking an action. That action represents a condition in my heart. George, will you pray for me? And I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer where you are uh, in a moment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please just raise your hand long enough for me to see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It doesn't matter how long you've been coming to Father's house. Absolutely. Uh, or been in churches. It doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is it's personal. It's real. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your doing that. It's so important. Um, do you know I'm going to be a little brave because I've violated all the rules of how much time we've got now. But just in this moment, there's, an, there's a special somethingness in this moment and I want you to take an action. If you would like to, whether you come alone or with your spouse or friend or mother or whoever, I want you to slip out from where you are and come stand in front. And today we start a thing 
that we are going public with our journey with the Lord. Let's just start a thing. Would you be willing to slip out from where you are? And if you didn't put your hand up, but kind of should have, I want you to slip out from where you are. It's always difficult to be the first one or two, but I want you to come quickly and I want to pray. I want to ask you to do another thing after that. Just come on up to the front, right up front here, and I'll wait for a minute. Well, would you clap for people? Is that an okay thing just to encourage? If you need someone to help you come, that's okay. But let's sort this thing out. Come right up front, right up front. Let's settle it, settle it, settle it. Just come on out, guys. Come on out, come on out, come on out, come on out. Squash to the front. It's okay. Just squash. It's okay. Come on out. Come on out. Um, my friend from the Netherlands. Come on out. Come on out, guys. I don't know, maybe just a moment, but maybe also a start of a moment. I'm going to invite the whole church to pray a prayer out loud. It'll be a sentence or two, especially those of you in front. Then I'm going to pray over you all and dismiss you to your coffee. And people in front will stay here to pray for anyone who needs personal prayer. I'm also going to invite you to communion if you would like. Please take advantage of that every Sunday or any Sunday you're here. And finally... I'm going to offer free Bibles to those of you who don't have Bibles in front. I'm not sure we have enough Bibles for everybody here this morning, but we certainly will offer them if you don't have a Bible. You leave here with confidence that you've taken the necessary steps and with information that you can build your faith on, the Bible. Can you say amen to that? Could you pray these words with me or after me as we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you for opening my eyes. For teaching me, there's a starting point and a returning point. Please come into my life. Take charge. God first. Lord of my life. And everything else beneath that. Please forgive me for ignoring you and for sinning against you and doing my own thing. Today, I follow. Holy Spirit, I don't know you well yet, but please help me. Turn my words into foundations and actions. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give God a shout out? Last, last one, last one, last one. I encourage you not to rush off just yet. I'm going to pray for the whole church and then we can do the Bible thing and whatever and send you on your way. Lord, thank you that we are taught again and again. Keep it simple. Put you first. No other gods, no idols. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great day today, everybody.